Hello, everyone, and welcome to another one of our bonus episodes here on Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, Ethan Sachs, and a very special guest today, Mashi Scanlon. Welcome, Mashi. Oh, thank you. Don't oversell it. Very special. Wow. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Very special. No introduction necessary. No descriptions needed. Um, So one of the things that is great about our bonus episodes here is we get to sort of verge a little bit from what our usual fare is. You know, Ben and I are trying to keep up on the the limited meta each and every week, talking about gritty card stuff, archetypes, all that that good stuff. But now these bonus episodes give us a chance to dive a little deeper into some interviews. You know, we interviewed each other last month for our 200th episode, and we both thought it was really cool to get an opportunity, especially now, you know, we're about six, seven months deep with our partnership with channelfireball.com to get Mashi Scanlon on the show, who I think, you know, Ben and I, I, I shouldn't speak for Ben, but I'll speak for myself. <laughs> I have a, a longstanding, I feel like, uh, content relationship with Mashi. Magic TV was one of my favorite things back in the day that Channel Fireball used to produce. Uh, and Mashi was the host of that, the guy on the left, as he was known. And, you know, as I was asking people in chat today on, on Twitch, I was trying to say like, hey, we're gonna have Mashi on the show. Any questions you all have? And it occurs to me that folks that maybe are newer to the game as we've had this magic boom may not even know who you are, which kind of blows my mind because I feel like your name is very synonymous with Channel Fireball. So I think we need a, a proper introduction here uh, from you, Mashi, about uh, you know your, your start with Channel Fireball, your start with magic, all that good stuff. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> Def- I'm definitely a boomer. I've been playing. I remember saving up... Um allowance money to buy packs of legends legends were legends packs were ten dollars when you could find them and so that that was kind of where i entered magic i I guess that'd be around 95 94 95 i'm probably 94 actually and i started playing and basically you ask this kind of coincides with how i entered channel fireball there was a rumor going around my high school at the time that the place you wanted to go for magic singles and magic cards was this place called superstars uh, which was in Cupertino. It was a few miles from where I went to high school. And so my buddy Graham and I started going there on a regular basis. And of course, Superstars of Sports or Superstars, as that store was called, is the parent company for Channel Fireball. And it, in around uh, 2009, February of 2009 is when Channel Fireball launched. And that is just kind of the, the brand name we pivoted Superstars to at the time. Um, I got to know John Sasso, who at the time was the son of the owner and then became the owner right around when we turned 18, um, became really, really good friends. He's still my closest friend. He was the best man uh, at my wedding. Um, And of course, he's Channel Fireball president and CEO, John Sasso. (laughs) There it is. Yeah. And just because of that relationship, uh, I, you know, I started working the retail counter. Just it, I, I graduated from college and I was just working one day a week. I was working restaurants and I was working the retail counter uh, around 2001 at Superstars. It was still Superstars then just to kind of pay for my magic habit. And since then, I've been out, in and out of the business many, many times. Uh, now here to stay. I, it, this one this one's stuck. Um, but yeah, that, that's how I got started. I, I was a regular. Uh, I got offered a job just to work Fridays. I think Casasso wanted to sleep in on Fridays and uh, kind of grew from there. And so what is your specific role at Channel Fireball? I feel like you wear so many different hats over there. 
So I, it's funny. I hate, I hate titles. So this, I have a nice title, but put no stock in it. Uh, I am the chief marketing officer. So I'm the CMO for channel fireball, but I will tell you this. I am not a formally educated marketing guy. And in fact, the, the person who does, who has the great marketing chops has a master's in marketing, uh, and is very well versed in it is Dennis Stranjak, who I believe you guys both know on, uh, he's Mm -hmm. also the co-host of scry me a river. He's the director of marketing and he's really the linchpin of the team. But yes, I'm the, the, chief marketing officer. I'm also, by trade, I was an attorney. I went to law school and practiced for a number of years. So I don't represent superstars or the CFB group or any of the companies now, just because that's a bit of an impediment in certain meetings. But I still end up reading a lot of contracts and a lot of leases and negotiating a lot of different things with that legal education. Those are the two things I I focus on. But then with John being central to so much of this and us growing up together and being such good friends and growing the business together, we brainstorm a lot of things. Like There's a lot of ideas that come out of just random, you know, phone calls and conversations and Slack chats between Sasso and I. It's so funny to hear you talk about, you know, the the superstar store, a physical store, because in my mind, Channel Fireball has always been this website, right? So like, I'm interested <laughs> in what that growth was or what that process was as, as you, you all started to expand. How did that happen? Oh, wow. So this goes way back. Like, so Sasso, uh, you know, and the Gare, his father's name is Gary Sasso. Uh, and we call him the Gare. Uh, I love the Gare. We, we, I, I kind of grew up with him too, right? Because John and I are basically the same age. They got, they got started in sports. And so John started in sports when he was like nine years old, right? He's a lifer in, in the card industry. Um, and then Magic came out in 93, right when they opened this tiny, tiny, like 600 square foot store called Superstars. And he had a binder one binder of magic. And I, I actually watched it grow. I remember the old green binder that was just the magic binder. And it, he had multiple binders and then he had half a display case and then he had a whole display case and then he had half a wall. And then right around 96, 97, the whole store was magic, right? Sports was dying and everything was magic. So we they relocated. I remember that. They moved literally next door into a larger space. So I think it was about a thousand square feet. And the rents went way up in the area. So, and I went to law school. And so Sasso moved into kind of a warehouse where we had a very, very small storefront at, at that time. It was mainly just a warehouse we were shipping from. And we weren't superstars. We were shipping as Big Fireball. John had bought another company called Big Fireball. He bought them out. So that's what they were shipping as in those days. And I went to law school. I practiced for a few years and then I came back. Uh, you know, I, I, I came back. There was a huge recession in the legal industry. So I had a great job at, until I didn't. <laughs> I got laid off uh, and I didn't know what to do with myself. So I came back and worked back at Superstars. And this was right when we had the genesis of Channel Fireball. Uh, we, we were working out of a warehouse and basically every day, this is, this is, this is actually how the, the name Channel Fireball and how the website came about. Every day we'd go back to Sasso's place because he owned his own place and we'd sit in the garage and we'd be in the garage because we'd be drinking beers, if I can say that on the podcast. And um, our friend <laughs> Alex would smoke cigarettes. That's why we were in the garage, but we had Wi Fi out there. And so I was drafting a ton of Magic Online. And Alex is really, really good. He's been on the Pro Tour uh, a number of times. Sasso was on the Pro Tour early on. He's also, these guys are both very, very good at Magic, and I'm very aggressively mediocre at Magic. And we'd sit on the couch in the garage, and Sasso would be on one side, and Pin, his name's Alex Alipin, we call him Pin. Pin would be on the other side. And this was Shadowmore Triple Draft. And I'd open the first pack of Shadowmore and they'd say, well, what do you think you should take, Mosh? And I'd say, I'll take this card. And Pin would spend the next you know, 30 seconds telling me I'm the worst magic player in the world. I'm so stupid. <laughs> I don't know how to draft. And then eventually they'd say, this is the card we think you should take. And over and over, um, Pin's like a little brother to me. So it's okay that he does that. Over and over, we did this. And 
I actually went, I'll tell you this. I, I probably shouldn't say this. I, I, I three owed my first triple shot of more draft with these guys. It was awesome. And then I went on a night, uh, one and out 19 game, like 19 match streak where I lost just 19 in a row, one and out, one and out, one and out. Um, so it was awful, but they really helped me get better at the game. And I said to them once, this was during the poker boom. And there were all these poker tutoring videos out. And I said to him once, you know, what'd be great is, you know, just like poker, if there were videos with like top magic pros playing and teaching you how to play, like helping you the way you guys are helping me, you know, maybe with less insults. And Pin says, we, we were, you know, just hanging out in the garage. And he goes, yeah, what are we going to do? Say tune into channel fireball. And Sasso turns to him is like, that's exactly what we're going to do. And that's how we came up with the name for channel fireball. At the time, there was no video content. Video content for magic didn't exist until we launched it on channelfireball.com. And that was our big hook is we have video content. You can come watch Luis Scott Vargas, you know, magic online videos for free and, you know, shop with us. And that was the whole impetus for growing into really, really pushing into online sales, into channel fireball and changing the brand. I think that's when Ethan and I got into channel fireball because I remember like way old school LSV cube videos on some sort oh, of cube yeah. simulator. Like it wasn't even on Magic Online. I had no idea what I was watching. I remember him like drafting on this whatever janky site, like forcing mono red. Yep. I was like, I don't I don't know what this format is. I don't understand what is happening. I don't know what this website is, but I'm into it. Yeah, I, it, it was at the time we were really kind of digging around for different, you know, kind of video content. And that's, that's actually how we started Magic TV as well. We watch a a lot of sports center, like not, not Luis, but John and I in particular, were big, we're big Bay area sports fans. And so we, we, at that time we were watching a lot of ESPN, a lot of sports center and the idea for magic TV. And if you watch the early, like the, like when I say early episodes, I mean like episodes one, two, and three, you can see that like all the topics are on a sidebar and we're covering them and, and, and like they're getting highlighted as we cover them. At one point we had a timer where it was like, we only have this much time to talk about the topic. So it was really, really modeled after pardon the interruption, which is a great show. If you like sports, you should check out Pardon the Interruptions. It's still going. A wonderful show. But that's Magic TV was we need more video content. What else can we have besides gameplay? Let, what if we had a talk show? And what what kind of talk show do we like? Well, we like Pardon the Interruption. Let's do that. I, I, I got to step back here a second. I had no idea that when we were getting you on the show that you just are the inspiration for online magic content, like video content. That's kind of crazy. It's like this Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, and Mashi Scanlon just starting stuff in a garage, <laughs> man. That's that's kind of crazy. I did not know that. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know if I quite put it in that context, but it was... It was definitely, you know, one of the things, and, and by the way, I, I've done Magic FM, I've done the Monday Meta, I've been on Scrymia River. You guys do an excellent job with your show notes. Gabby does a great job too, but um, I, 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 I'll jump ahead because one of the questions that you had here was like, what kind of advice do you have for content producers? And it, for me, I have been just blessed. I just born under a lucky star where because of my relationship with Sasso at the beginning, and then now because of my placement at Channel Fireball, I kind of think to myself, what content would I consume? What content do I want? And that's how Channel Fireball started. It literally was a genuine desire for me to get top magic pros, the way poker was happening, have them tutor people or watch their gameplay and explain their thought process, try to learn from it. And down the road, one of the questions we had here was like, what advice would you have for content creators? I think what's always super important is you make content you yourself would want to consume. Because I, I always feel like, you know, if you want it, if that's something you're very passionate about, there's probably an audience for it. 
you just got to find that audience. But that passion you have for creating this product is going to bleed through. And, and frankly, that's how I feel when I listen to Lords of Limited. You guys love Limited. You know, and, I, and I, you can just feel it on every episode. Boy, these guys love to draft. They love Sealed. They're all about it. It's not fake. It's totally genuine. That passion translates. And you're making content. You know, For me, I will say this candidly. Lords of Limited, sorry, Luis, is my favorite magic <laughs> podcast. I listen to it every week. On, and I mean, when I say I listen to it every week, on Monday, I check, is it out yet? Is it out yet? Okay, now it's, I just look on my, my app and I'm like, great, it's out, it's out. And then literally I'm like, huh, do the dogs need to walk? Do I need to clean anything in the house? Like that's the thought process. <laughs> Should I do the dishes right now? I can listen to, uh, to LOL while I'm doing it. So, um, but I think that passion comes through and that's, that's one of the most important things. And I got lucky because I was able to be there for Channel Fireball and say, I, hey, I'm really passionate about playing limited actually at the time because I wasn't playing constructed and I'd love to see this happen. And Luis was a local player and we were able to put it together and get it to happen. I think you've mentioned luck a couple times and Ethan and I have talked about that a lot. I feel like, you know, even with the best laid plans, sometimes there is a certain element of luck, right? I mean, Ethan and I met each other on the internet and we've met in person, what, three total times now? Yeah. And we got super lucky that we have great chemistry and are both, you know, obviously fanatical about limited and communicate well and, you know, have a similar work ethic, that sort of thing. But, you know, there's certainly a, a position of you need to put yourself in a position to get lucky as well. And I think that boils down to what you were talking about with just having an idea that you're passionate about. And once you have that, you, that's got to be the core. You have to have that to be able to start for sure. Completely. And what, what you said at the tail end, I think is one of the most important things in, in content production and in life is you need to put yourself in a position to maximize, to maximize whatever opportunities come your way. There's a great story. I was talking to Raptor. I, I guess probably a lot of your audience doesn't really re maybe remember Raptor, but he's a Hall of Fame magic player, Josh Utter-Layton. Wonderful. He, he was a regular at the Game Center. And we were talking once about the best games of magic we've ever seen, just the absolute best games of magic. And he told this story about Paul Rietzel. Uh, boy, these are all boomer magic players. <laughs> so he's telling this story about Paul Rietzel. And I think this was around Zendikar where Paul was playing, I think he was playing some kind of Boros aggro. And Raptor described the whole thing. He's like, you know, I was watching Paul play and he was just playing perfectly. You could tell like every every attack he made, everything he did, every play he he made, he was anticipating what he could draw, what he could do, how he could, you know, how he could win the game. I'm like, oh my gosh. And he won. And Raptor's like, no, he got absolutely ranched. He got destroyed. But it was the best magic I ever saw because I could just watch him and he was playing to every out he could at every step of the game. And I, I, I love that one for two reasons. One, I just think, you know, you always want to play to your outs. You, you know, in life, in magic, however you want to do it, you want to prepare yourself to take advantage for whatever comes your way. And the other side of it is sometimes it doesn't work out. That doesn't mean you like, there's that great Picard quote, right? It's, 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 I can't, I'm going to butcher it, but it's like, it's possible to play perfectly and still lose. That's just, that's also life, right? But you want to be in the position where you can optimize whatever that top deck is or whatever that opportunity is. And that, that looks like luck when it happens a lot. Like with you guys, you know, it wasn't just happenstance that you connected, there was some reason you guys connected on the internet, something about your mutual interest and you guys were able to take advantage of it. Like I'm sure there's way more backstory to just a random flip of the coin and you guys connected. It's just about being able to take advantage of those opportunities and positioning yourself to do it. For sure. And it doesn't always work out, right? So recently there was a reboot of Magic TV in the works. It seemed like <laughs> Ethan was on it. I was on it once. And then it sort of just kind of disappeared a little bit. Was the was the timing not right for that? Can you talk about that a little bit? It was my my lack of technical prowess. I am not good with technical stuff at all. 
You know, I normally, so Magic TV historically has always had a third party producer. Originally it was Jim Butler, shout out to Jim Butler. And after Butler, it was, um, oh, it was a, a number of people, Andy Cooper, Faust, Armando Benavides was a producer for a while. So uh, Russell, Badgerow Smith, we've, we've had tons of great producers in the history of Magic TV, but there's always been a third party producer to handle the tech side. And unfortunately, our best producer to do that is in Dublin. And our, our times, it's actually um, Jeff. Who does that? He does. I think he does a production for all the uh, limited resources, the video for limited resources, and stretching them into the our time zone for that podcast and that product was way more important than Magic TV. So we just made the decision, like, let's just allow that to happen and pull the plug on Magic TV. Uh, so it was really just lack of production. It's still I would I would do it in a heartbeat, but I am technically incapable of pulling that off without assistance. Just for folks who don't know, I mean, we sort of alluded to it a little bit, but if you haven't watched Magic TV, I mean, Mashi sort of described it as you know based on this this sports show, but it was a really cool interview style show. You know, sometimes that have guests on, um, it would always culminate in a top eight of something. Um, you know, when I was on the, the very few episodes of the reboot, we did like top eight limited build arounds. It was definitely a highlight of my week. It was a very, very cool, unique piece of content. And it seems like, I mean, going back to the sort of like garage origin story thing, like that seems to be part of the thing you were like, well, look, no one else is doing this. No one else is making video strategy content and this will be free. Let's do that. Were there other sort of things that you felt like you were a part of in terms of like innovations or things you you saw as, oh, this is cool. We're now at the forefront of this. I mean, something like the marketplace that Channel Fireball is doing now is something like that. I mean, maybe we could talk talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, anything like that that you feel like you can touch on over the past, you know, 10 or so years? Yeah. There, so one of the things that we get from from John uh, is he's just, he's, he's just an entrepreneur died in the wall, right? Like he, that, that's, he is, I, I often describe him as kind of being visionary in the sense he gets ideas. Some of them are great. Some of them are not. And, um, so we followed different things, you know, down the, down the pathway, uh, a few times content at the time. And, and I, it goes back and forth and it's kind of ironic at the time that we launched channel fireball, most magic content was also behind a paywall. Because Star City had already instituted their paywall. I think that Brainburst, I don't know if they'd become TCG player yet, but a, a, the big the big dog as 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 is still like one of the big dogs in the in the yard was Star City and they were they were charging. So the other pivot we made at the time was we wanted everything to be free. We wanted to run content as a loss leader. Just come to our website and check it out. And we started experimenting more and more with that. We did that with in, uh, events. You know, we had a bunch of when we were trying to grow our audience at the game center we we would do like a pizza draft on Mondays and, and all kinds of stuff like that where we were making no money. It was just, we want to get an audience in the store, buy us, buy cards from us or sell cards from to us or buy accessories from us. So when right at the inception of Channel Fireball, we ran a lot of, we, we tried a lot of things at pure break even just to experiment with it. And I think that that's what led to a lot of our growth eventually into events where we started running Grand Prix. And for a while, we were one of very few, you know, um, TOs and then that shrank and shrank. And then we ended up being the only one um, when Wizards decided they wanted to uh, folded under one thing that gave us the opportunity to do tons of things. It was Cascade Games who first introduced the prize wall at uh, um, I don't know if it was PAX or something, but we kind of I don't want to say stole, we co opted the idea <laughs> into Grand Prix. Um, you know, that kind of 
we borrowed it. We'll give it back to them. They can still use it. They can have it. But uh, it was a great. Tim Shields and his team at Cascade Games are awesome. We learned, I was there for it. And John and I learned everything um, about how to start Grand Prix events and run Grand Prix events from Tim and his team. They are wonderful. And they came up with this prize wall thing and we we started running the prize wall. That's not really an innovation we had. I, I shouldn't, I, I don't, I should, maybe I shouldn't bring it up here, but it was something that we really tried to push when we were doing live events is trying to get people to come play magic and then have their rewards rather than just be straight cash or just packs, something that further engages them into different types of magic. Maybe you wanted um, an old school single. We had it for you. Maybe you wanted an old school pack. You didn't just want standard. We had it for you. Maybe you wanted accessories or maybe you wanted shirts or whatever. We had it for you. And that was a, a way we were trying to really focus on Again, what would we want? You know, if I already have plenty of Strixhaven packs, I don't want any more. You know, not that I necessarily want a Channel Fireball shirt, but maybe I, maybe I do. Maybe, hey, it's got a you know a U.S. flag on it. I'll take that. So the prize wall um, was something we we put a lot of time and effort into. We also had, you know, um, you could come in and play side events and spend your whole weekend just playing side events. You didn't have to come for the main event. Um, and there were all of these packages we put together that I think catered to a lot of more casual magic players. And one of the huge goals we had when we were running uh, all the magic fest was how do we open this up to more casual players? How do we open the door so that anyone who wants to play magic doesn't be intimidated by this huge main event for pro points and all this money and stuff. I just want maybe I just want to play three rounds of legacy. Maybe I just want to play three rounds of modern. And so stuff like that were other, I think, innovations that we had for at least live events that I were, I know the team because a lot of the teams still work with us are very, very proud of. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much good stuff there to like, I can't believe how much you've been a part of, you know, just with growing Channel Fireball and what you must have seen. Is there anybody that you've thought about in the magic community where you've just been starstruck? I mean, because you're around people like Luis and, you know, Josh Arter Layton all the time, all of these Hall of Famers. Is there anybody you think like, wow, I got to interview this person or, you know, had this interaction with this person. I'm never going to forget it. Well, it's it's really interesting. That list changes because you meet people, right? Early on, it absolutely would have been uh, one of them would have been William Huey Jensen, who you know he's on Team CFB. I have I have a daily stand, I have a weekly stand up with them tomorrow. At tomorrow at eight thirty, I'll be on the call with them as I am every you know Thursday at eight thirty. But back in the day, there was this event series called the Master Series, and my buddy Tim that they, they showed these on ESPN two, and my buddy Tim had a videotape copy of the finals. And the finals are between Jason Zilla and William Baby Huey. At the time, it was Baby Huey. Baby Huey Jensen. And Huey's playing Tradewind Survival, which is an old school extended deck, um, which again, I'm sure most of your listeners are not familiar with. It's a very difficult deck to play. And of course, Huey's a master. And I remember we watched that video so many times, right? We're just like trying to improve our own gameplay by watching these two great players play. And I, that's how I knew Huey. And I remember the first time I met him, I was like, whoa, you are baby Huey. He don't, don't call him baby Huey. He doesn't like that. But in, in my mind, that's what it was. You're, you're Huey Jensen. Um, but then I got to know Huey, who is a wonderful guy. I love him. He's very. He's a close friend now. And so I remember that moment. And the, the big one for me, though, even bigger than Huey, was when I met John Finkel. And we were doing uh, some kind of live panel at one of the GP Vegases. And I remember I, I was sitting down. I'm like, dude, what is wrong with me? And I was like, holy crap, <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm freaking nervous about doing this thing with John Finkel because I don't, uh, I, I'm just kind of like, don't even think about it. Just get in there and do it, you know? And that was a big one for me. And and John's also, John is a really, 
really smart guy. You know, when you're sometimes talking to someone and they kind of like blip out for a second because they're just on a different level. That happens sometimes with John Finkel. He's He is one of the smartest guys I've met. And then just because of my generation, there's a few, I don't really know him, but a few times I've head nodded with Kai and I'm like, oh, it's Kai. Wow. <laughs> So that's the list. So you still have this childlike wonder, it feels like, about, you know, there's still a a passion for the game behind everything like this. So it doesn't feel like it's just a job for you. Like you're still interested in the content. You're interested in the people behind the game, that sort of thing. It doesn't feel like that's gone away for you, you know, since starting CFB, whatever, 11 years ago. Oh, oh no, it, it hasn't. I, I've, I, and this is why, you know, I'll say again, I've just been very lucky. You know, I, I fell into this role because of my relationship with John, it has, you know, gaming has really exploded and I was practicing law down South and things were really blowing up for John. And one of the things for, for anyone in business, when things are kind of growing at an accelerated rate, this is one of the key things. I remember this phone call with Sasso. He was like, look, man, things are really growing very quickly. I just need someone I can trust. I I just need someone I can trust to work with me on this. And this was back in 2013 um, because I'd left CFB again to practice law again. And, you know, we had a whole discussion about my finances and basically, you know, he said, hey, if I can match what you're getting now, will you come back? I was like in a heartbeat. Like I, I was ready to punch my time card before hanging up that phone. And my uh, my wonderful, I would say second to 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 marrying my 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 wonderful wife. It's the best decision, second best decision I've made. And you're right. I, I love magic. I love being part of the community. I love the community around it. Sometimes we have good days. We have bad days. Like every community, you know. But I love playing. You know, I I still try to figure out like when am I going to have time to draft this week or you know can I squeeze a draft in today? These are things I still think about on a regular basis. I still look at previews with like, oh, is this card going to be good? What's the format like? You know, I haven't played standard in a while. I haven't played historic in a while, and I get to talk to people like Luis, who I know you guys have met, and and um, Luis is really another like very very close friend and one of the most charismatic and wonderful and genuinely like kind people I've ever met in my life. Um, And one of the things that I personally get a lot of joy out of is how he's able to show that to the world and the world sees it. You know, he's snarky. He's got his comments and his jokes, but where Luis, I think, finds so much success is his genesis qua. It, it translates over video, over podcasts, over everything. And it's it's nice when you can see people, you know, like talking to you guys, getting to know you better. Like I want, I, I like that the success that you have because I love the product you make. And like the one that I scratch my head about right now is Riley, because I love all of Riley's content. I always want to like, why isn't Riley a bigger influencer right now? But yeah, I it's like I said at the beginning when I was talking about kind of the content you make and the things you do, like when you find that passionate thing, if it can, you know, if it can carry you, do that and, and, and count yourself lucky that you get to do that. So do you ever on the business side of things, because that's been your primary role at Channel Fireball, do you ever feel like you wish you had dove into the playing side more? Because it's obvious that you're very passionate about draft or, you know, do you get a chance to draft and sit down with Luis and all those folks and draft every once in a while? Like what, what is that side of things like for you? Do you ever wish you'd gone harder after the pro tour or anything like that? Totally. I I totally do. I, I, you know, John, uh, John and I, Sasso and I used to joke about the year that dreams come true, um, which is kind of (laughs) sad now because there's no more pro tour, but 
he and I for like 15 or 20 years, if you walked up to John now and just said, Hey, what's the year the dreams come true? He'll, he'll know. You may have to give him context. Like Mashi mentioned this, but he'll know it was the year that he and I were going to take off. We're going to have enough money saved up. We were just going to grind like hell to get back on the pro or him get back on the pro tour and get me on the pro tour. Uh, And we still talk about it. Like maybe one day we'll just, you know, take some time off and grind. He's very, very good at magic when he applies himself. He almost has a top eight. I wish I could say he, he finished ninth at a pro tour. He doesn't quite have a top eight. Ooh, that's sweet. Yeah, yeah. That was it was a, it was like a pro tour in '97 though, so I don't know if there's an asterisk there. But yeah, I mean, you know, I I do. I wish I wish I'd done it. I don't now that I have seen and interacted with enough pro players and watched high level play, particularly Luis's. He's special. Like watching him play, just the decisions he makes. Because I would watch him play Moto a lot um, back when he was still local in like 2009, 2010. And I'd be like, wait, why did you do that? And he would have to take a second and be like, why did I do that? Oh, yeah, here's why I did it. He's so entrenched in the game. He's making decisions at a level where sometimes it's not even like totally conscious for him. And that's just not a that's not an er, an area I've ever operated at in magic. And I'm not sure, you know, anywhere else. So I, I do, I do. Wish uh, I, I had spent more time on that. I will say when back in the day, this is the Channel Fireball Game Center, Luis was coming out, we were making Magic TV and they were testing. And I want to say it was for, it might've been a pro tour in Hawaii. It was definitely Shards Block Limited. And he was testing with two local players that were popular, but kind of unknown. One was jo- the aforementioned Josh Utter Layton. He had just qualified for this pro tour. And then David Ochoa, who had just qualified for this pro tour as well. And so we'd sit there and team draft, you know, either the, either two on two, or we'd get uh, some other people to play. And I was drafting shards block and I was like, okay, I got it. I, I, I think I'm doing well. And, you know, Luis would crush me. I'm like, whatever, he's Luis. But then Raptor would crush me. And then Webb would crush me. Ocho, David Ocho would crush me. And I'd be like, what the heck? And I'd go home and I'd rage draft you know, shards online and the eight, four cues on magic online. And I just like three Oh, three Oh, three Oh. And I'm like, okay, this <laughs> week I'm going to win. And I'd come back and these three bozos would crush my head in week after week. And I felt awful. I was like, I'm not getting any better at magic. I, I, I keep feeling like I'm getting better and I'm not now history's vindicated all that with both, you know, David Ochoa and, you know, finding success on the pro tour. And then of course, Josh Otto Layton being a hall of fame magic player. So I think at that time was probably the best I ever was at magic. I just didn't think I was any good because the guys I was playing with were so much better and they were just crushing me mercilessly. I think Ben and I can relate coming off the last Lords versus resources <laughs> showdown. That's we, what uh, I was we know, say. we know what it's like to get crushed by Luis for sure. Um, I, I wanted to go back here. So, so 2013, when you go back to work for channelfireball.com, um, they're, you know, Sasso is telling you about that this boom, like things are, are growing and stuff. Is that a, a boom in terms of content, in terms of, you know, just sales of product? And do you feel like we're in another boom now? Do you feel like we've experienced a number of them? What's your feeling about the trajectory from like 2013 to, to present day? It was so that was a definitely a product boom. I can't remember what the sets were, but at the time we we were smaller than we are now and struggling to fulfill all the singles and sealed product orders we wanted to. We were just capped by allocations and what we were willing to spend to get up to different allocations. Because it's always a risk, right? You know, you say the thing about magic. The thing about any CCG is you're taking a risk. You know, if the set's a dud, you want to order as much as possible, but if the set's a dud, you're just stuck with it in the back of the warehouse, you know. And like right now, if you go to Henderson, 
They've got plenty of Dragons of Tarkir, and I think they've got a bunch of Fate Reforged, and I think plenty of Dragon Maze too. Maybe not as much Dragon Maze at this point, but those are the things that kind of stick. So you, you want to make sure that you're ordering and, and allocating wisely, but singles at the time were red hot. I remember that we were we were really struggling to buy enough singles um, to keep stuff stocked, and that's what we were trying to do. We we're trying to more aggressively buy singles through our buy list and things like that to keep that in stock. Right now, it's a funny thing. Right right now is weird because there's a ton of demand. It's it's hard to satisfy, but part of the reason it's hard to satisfy is because of COVID, there've been all these printing issues. Like things have been underprinted, people aren't getting their full allocations. So it's hard to know where demand is really at. I know Hasbro is saying Wizards is making more money than ever, but I'm not sure what that says about the product per se cuz Standard was in such a bad spot, you know, for so long. I will say Modern Modern Horizons is just sold out everywhere. It's just, I mean, it's not it's not actually, but it's just sky high and that product is going to be popular and it's going to do really really well. It was Time Spiral remastered like that as well? TSR was, yeah. It it but that had that had some issues with with COVID related production, I think. So people a lot of people weren't getting their allocations and like for instance, if you pre-orders on if you pre-ordered on Amazon, I think they canceled a bunch of them um, because they just they didn't have the product, and it was Amazon. It was it was Amazon itself that was doing it, not you know not some fly by night company. It was literally Amazon. I also think, for what it's worth, Forgotten Realms. I don't know if any retailers are listening. Uh, it's probably too late for this anyway, but I would I would max out my allocation on Forgotten Realms. I think that set is going to be fire, and that's going to be a very popular set. It's going to do really really well, and I like what Wizards is doing. With, particularly you know, with D&D, come on, you own the IP, do that. But they made this announcement where they may be making different type of you know, magic sets using different IPs. And I, I actually, I know it's controversial for some people. I love the idea. I think it's a great move. Yeah, absolutely. As long as the limited format's good, by all means, <laughs> I'll, I'll play limited in Forgotten Realms. I'll play limited in Lord of the Rings. Sign me up. I'm with you 100%. Let's do it. So in terms of this boom for magic, I, Ethan and I have talked about this a lot. We feel like in the last, you know, two, three years since we started Lords of Limited, that there's been a huge boom in content creation as well. Just all tons of new Twitch streamers, you know, podcasts cropping up everywhere. I feel like, you know, again, we sort of got lucky with when we decided to start Lords of Limited right before it feels like this deluge of content hit. Do you feel that at all on your side of things? Or is maybe that just a a weird perspective from us? No, I I absolutely think that's the case. And you know, I, I'm not sure what the exact cause is, but technology and the ability to put yourself out there, like if you just have a phone, you have a video show, right? Like maybe it's not going to be well produced. Maybe it's not going to have great audio, but you can do it. You can, anyone who wants to make content, just, you know, you can do it on Instagram or you can do it on YouTube and you just get a tripod or just a selfie stick and boom, you've got your video camera and you can upload it right there and you can talk about magic you know, for 10 minutes a day or for 30 minutes a day or an hour a week or whatever you want to do. And it's just that easy. Years ago, it wasn't. We had to do a lot more to get these. Why I sound really old saying that. Uh, We had to do a lot more to get videos and stuff uh, up on the internet. It's so accessible. And I think there's a lot of hunger for it. Twitch is a great example of it too, right? Anyone can just fire up a Twitch account and, and start playing magic. I think it's all wonderful. I think that the amount of content we have out there and the accessibility of it, because I mean, you know, you guys know this, you have a podcast, but content is about 
creating something from a, a topic, right? Whether it's limited, whether it's strict save and draft, but with gold stars and demerits and, and strict save, whatever, that's the ostensible topic for content, maybe for the last episode of Lords Limited. But every piece of content we ever make, you make, I make, any of us make, we're expressing ourselves. We're showing ourselves how genuine we are with what we show. That's different. You know, different people have different levels of comfort there. But all of this content is, are really what I see is people who love magic and want to find a way to express that love in a way that, you know, or, or express that engagement in a way that, that now technology is made possible. So yeah, I, I think it's everywhere. I think it's great. And I think, you know, if someone's content's not for you, turn the page. That's the other thing. There's so much of it now. You're not beholden to anyone. And I think that's also really, really good. Do you think we're like approaching a bubble. That's part of my fear as someone who's like now decided to do this full time. Like there can't be that big of, or I I feel like the audience is capped or whatever, or the the audience that's going to engage financially is kind of capped at, to a certain extent. I mean, you know, if Hasbro is saying it's the, you know, the best, the most popular the game has ever been, then perhaps that audience is starting to grow, but it feels like at least, you know, in the trenches of content creation, there's a lot of stuff popping up. And I wonder if, you know, do you feel like there there could be a, a content bubble that bursts or is that just, you know, is that a, a silly thought to have? In terms of like, so I guess it means what you mean by bubble, like there's only so many dollary dues that companies are going to spend on content, right? That That's a limited budget. Right. Um, and so the more content there is, the more choices there are. And so if it's like all of a sudden there's all this content being made with no one to support it or, or financially or or pay for it. That bubble could burst, but I think Patreon fills a lot of that niche. Like I think that 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 is a great that that's one of the great things about Patreon is it does it, it supports artists who are creating content without having to find that like third party commercial sponsorship. And oh, I mean, I don't know if you already did your plug for Patreon. You didn't. Patreon, join the Patreon because the Discord is worth it. <laughs> Trust me, I was in there like religiously when Strixhaven dropped. It is so so worth it. I that no one asked me to say that. That's just the truth. It, it's worth it. Yeah, we didn't need to do an ad because we knew you were gonna do one in yeah. the middle of the episode. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it is seriously like when the new set hits, that's where you want to be. And you you guys have a great community. People answering questions. It's just, it's awesome. It's a great discord. I, I could strongly recommend it. But I, I you know, if, if what you mean by bubble is there becomes other games or other topics that people will shift their content production to in hopes of making money on it. I, 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 what do you mean by bubble? Yeah, no, I think more the the first question that you answered. I think more about like there's only there's a finite number of dollars, and I think even you know not just beyond like sponsorships or anything like that, or or websites that can pay people to write or make videos or whatever. But even Patreon, I mean, there's just magic players. I think are a finite resource, and their wallets are also a finite resource. And I just wonder, you know, there's a lot of people out there I think worth supporting, and that seems to be a tougher and tougher thing to do, perhaps to support all the content creators you want to, you know. Sure. So I, I I agree with your premise overall. I think you're correct. I think that there is a much larger audience for magic. And if we can reach them magic content, then we are we I mean, we collectively, not 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 you two and, and me, but we collectively as a as a content producing community are accessing right now. So um I think that, you know, theoretically there is a bubble. I don't think we're close to it bursting if we're smart about how we get the word out. And that's why like things like like using like a Lord of the Rings 
magic set or like a Transformers or G.I. Joe or He-Man or whatever magic set. I think those are other ways that we can penetrate other markets and increase that base to make sure that that bubble doesn't burst. Because I think there's plenty of audience out there who know magic, have heard of magic or played magic when they were younger. They just don't know about this content. You're Now, Lords of Limited, that's pretty advanced level content, right? I don't think anyone's going to jump into that until they've been playing a bit. But there's plenty of other, like, like Scrimey River is a good example of you know, something maybe you could listen to and, and absorb and have content on that level that I think is very, very accessible. And I think for things like that, or watching someone play on Twitch, because you're like, oh, I remember magic. I think that those things were, were still a ways away from seeing the bubble burst. So do you ever, with all of the content that's getting produced right now, do you ever feel like a proud parent, you know, with it originating at Channel Fireball? I mean, for me personally, you know, I was just thinking last night, I recorded a draft video for CFB and like, I model my draft videos right now after the videos I watched, you know, in whatever, 2010, 2011, when I first discovered Channel Fireball. And it's so surreal to be creating content for you all. So I guess, first of all, thank you for that opportunity. And then the question, do you feel like a proud parent? No, I, you know, what's funny is um, the, way you're, the way you're describing uh, the, the, the video creation coming from us in Sasso's garage is not really a way I've ever contextualized it. So I, I've never thought of it that way. I am incredibly happy with like the, like for instance, you guys now do limited. I don't think you, you guys started doing limited deck guides right away, right? The, the different archetype deck guides. Yeah, no, that wasn't until Zendikar arising, I think. And that was something that I still, I still do this, right? I still tinker with content where I was talking to Jess and James I'm like, why don't we have limited deck guides? I really want limited deck guides. <laughs> and they're like, well, do you think it's good for marketing? And I'm like, well, it's great for marketing to me. So, so we, we started putting them out there. So I still get to do a lot of that stuff. And, and I like Luis now has a tier list that I got. I got that idea because if you go to lordsalimited.com, which you should, there's a tier. And I know we don't love tier lists, but when you're breaking into a new set, I think it's really, really interesting to have one. And, you know, I, I begged them, I'm like, can we just get a 17 lands tier list from Luis on Channel Fireball? And boom, we have it. So I still get to tinker with that. And, and you know, if I if I make myself enough of a pain, they'll still listen to me. And so I'm, I'm really, really lucky in that sense. Um, you kind of, you, you've asked the question. So now as I take a step back and, and, and think about it, the thing that I, I, I love is really seeing people engage with content. And like I said, seeing it as a really good way to express themselves, whether it's on their Twitch stream or on their podcast, like that's just awesome. Because when I grew up and I think gaming is so much more in now than it was when I was a kid. When I was a kid, look, we weren't the cool kids playing magic. Okay. I would play magic with my buddy Graham uh, in the back of our chemistry class. And we we were not the cool. I was in drama. He was in band. We were not the cool kids. And, um, <laughs> you know, we made it. I loved high school. I don't want to paint a bad picture. But I, I still recognize that, you know, I was going to cons when I was a kid, sci-fi cons, and it wasn't the cool kids going to sci-fi cons and doing stuff like that. And, and I still feel like there's a lot of that in magic in the, the players that come to the community that's changing more and more as gaming becomes more mainstream, but giving people a, a good avenue to express themselves and engage with the wider world through something they love is something, I mean, to whatever degree that could be a legacy of mine of, yes, I would be hugely thankful and grateful. Um, I think it's maybe misattributed <laughs> a, a bit, but yes, I think that that is a wonderful thing right now. I don't know. I feel like you're selling yourself short a little bit here. Yeah, I would add on to that as well. Complete agree. I think that blends really well into a question from one of our users in the Discord, Clockwork. 
Um, he says, I have a question for Mashi and for Ben and Ethan, for that matter. What works best for you to facilitate creativity and excitement in others that you collaborate with, especially when brainstorming up new content and ideas? That's that's a great question. I think it go, it really comes down, I, I feel like a broken record. When I think when you're working with content creators, you, you know, and I, this is the channel fireball side, it, it's not good to dictate too much. You want to you you don't want to say something like, hey, I want limited content. Luis, now you're only making limited content. Or Mengu or you know Martin, you're only making limited content. The way to do it is to say, I think we need limited content. Who has passion for it? Let me go work with someone who's got passion. Let me find Ben and Ethan. Okay, they love limited content. Let's bring them aboard. That's what we need to do because we don't want to, we don't, it's easier to find that passion and hire and collaborate with it and say, what kind of content do you guys want to make? How do you feel about what's going on here? Because that's going to drive that product so much better. You're going to get the best content out of out of people like that. You're going to get the best results out of, you know, your content producers and the influencers that you work with by doing that, by tapping into their passions, not trying to force different things on them. Unless it's Luis, who I I make write all kinds of articles just because I want him to do it. <laughs> but on the other side, I think if you're collaborating with with someone, I think asking yourself or collaborating with a business, asking yourself what you're passionate about and always saying like, what do, what do, what do I want to get out of this? Uh, what, what, what am I looking to achieve here? And how does it affect kind of like why I'm making this content? You know, if it's, hey, I, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm making this content because I love magic. I don't want to talk about uh, the new single sale on channelfireball.com every five minutes. That's just not what I want to do. That doesn't make me feel good about the content I'm making and it's interrupting things too much. I think that's a worthy thing. Now, that may end your relationship with that particular person, but what's really, really important, I think, in content production is listening to yourself saying, this is what I want to make, right? Like Magic TV was always a passion project for me um, because I like talking to people and I like I like arguing because you know I'm an attorney. I like arguing about things like what's the top eight. Those are things that I, I was I loved and had fun doing. And then you ask yourself, is there is there a place for this in this relationship? Listening to the other side, what are you looking for? What do you want to make? What how does that work? And normally, because we are so glued together in this magic gaming universe, there is not just middle ground. There's tons of different ways to collaborate because. You know, we all play magic. There, there's parts of the game that we love. There's parts of the game that we hate. But when you get two people who love magic, you're going to find common ground. That's just, I think it's just, a, 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 I guarantee it. And I think that's that's the key to making really, really good content. Yeah, on my end of things here, I think it's almost, rather than facilitating it with people you're already collaborating with, I would choose who you collaborate with carefully, right? Like Ethan and I are successful because, you know, we found a spark at the beginning of it. Otherwise, Lords of Limited probably would have died. 15 episodes in or whatever, you know, because I've been on both sides of it, you know, in teaching, you don't necessarily get to choose who you work with. Um, and, and, you know, making content or side projects, passions like that, you do get to choose who you work with. So I'd be smart about who you choose and try to find someone that you have, you know, right off the bat, some chemistry and some creativity and some some excitement, rather than feeling like you have to work to manufacture it. But if you are in a situation where you're not able necessarily to choose who you're working with, what I found best is giving people ownership of things oftentimes is one of the best ways to facilitate, you know, creativity, just giving people exactly sort of what you said, who's passionate about Cube or who's passionate about Legacy or whatever, giving people freedom to to work within a certain framework is, is oftentimes best for that. Yeah, it feels like I can't add too much to that. You know, Amashi mentioned earlier about, you know, we weren't the cool kids in high school being into music or theater, which Ben <laughs> and I, of course, have no 
<laughs> no uh, framework for. Um, no, but like <laughs> coming from a theater background, collaboration is like the main thing. That's like one of the most exciting things about it. And the best collaborations are when you're with the people who make your work better, right? The people who make you look good and vice versa. If you're if you're in a scene and your job is like making the other person look good, then and if both people are doing that, or if everybody on stage is doing that, then you're going to have a great time. You're going to have a great product and you're going to feel taken care of by everybody you're working with. And I think that's the most important thing for collaborations, right? Like I think Ben and I try and make each other look really good on the show, you know, whether that's like, you know, the, the, the heavy editing that we do or whatever, or the prepared show notes, like we're just trying to give each other the best shot at success when we record and do our stuff. And I think that's like the biggest thing you can do for yourself. Yeah, chemistry is key. You guys definitely have great chemistry. So yeah, I, I I strongly agree with that. All right, next question coming up here from Dr. Numbers. Do you think content creation for magic is similar to content creation in other areas? Are there any general lessons you think apply across all content areas? Yeah, I think that, and again, I think really understanding the, the, the audience you're creating the content for is important. And this is where, you know, when you say, do, do you think magic content creation is the same across all areas? It depends. Magic is a is kind of a there's a there's a strong subculture with magic, and so you want to tailor that content to that with that subculture in mind. If you're going wider, right? If you're going wider with with things, you want to appeal to football football fans or fantasy football fans. It's a wide swath that becomes less of a concern. You just need to pick your kind of lane and and go there. But something like magic. You want to make something I think that really, really takes into account what the audience, who the audience is, because that that's a luxury you have in a space like this. There is a, a very kind of identifiable, quantifiable community, and you should, I I believe, you should take that into account. That doesn't mean you make something that's cookie cutter that they will like, but you should take it into account and understand. Maybe maybe I want to make something controversial. Maybe that's what I want to do. But knowing your audience. I think is incredibly important, and you're able to do that in magic because of the sub because it's a subculture because it's a very defined community and game. And I think that that that's a huge thing. And if you aren't leveraging that, that that that's a mistake. the The biggest lesson I think across content areas, as I as I've said before, is like make stuff you think is good, make stuff you think is compelling, make stuff you would like. What are the what are the YouTube videos you would watch? What are the what are the uh, you know Twitch streams? How would you what, what what kind of Twitch stream would you watch? And if you make that, I think you're going to tap into an audience that also likes it. I think that's honestly the best advice you can give to people making content. It's not sustainable otherwise, I don't think. Like it's really hard to not make something that you yourself would enjoy, you know? Yeah. I agree. Or that is genuine as well, because it takes so much time and effort and energy that if it's not truly core to you and your identity, it's just going to come across, I think, as well in your content, if that's the case. But the cookie cutter advice, right? And I do think this applies across all content areas is, you know, one, know your audience. And I think we did that pretty well on Lords of Limited. It was, you know, we were the target audience. We wanted, right. you know, podcast for draft junkies. And then the other thing is be regular. Once you decide how often you're releasing, don't miss an episode. And so I'm very proud that we have never missed, you know, a Monday or a Tuesday release since we started the podcast. That's the big one. And then I think the third thing is just do your thing and be passionate and smart. And and I think the last sort of big one that comes to mind for me is just make sure you have good audio quality because that'll be the other turnoff for people, right? Like those three things I think are pretty clutch. Man, the the regularity of publishing is so huge. That I, I should have touched on that. That, it, you know, you're, you're basically making a promise to your audience that you're going to be there for them. Like like I just said earlier in the episode, Mondays, I look for it. I'm like, where's the where's the new Lords of Limited episode, right? And, and there, there's a fantasy football podcast. I'm the exact same way. They go three days a week. I'm like, where is it? It's 11 o'clock. Why haven't you published yet? So that's a huge thing 
because you you, you kind of have a, a soft promise to your audience and you need to you need to you need to keep that up. It's such a weird thing that I don't think occurs to people. You know, I got a lot of questions during uh, COVID or like the first six months of COVID and people are like, oh, I bet you're like Twitch viewership numbers are up or I bet your podcast download numbers are up. And I'm like, I'm not listening to more podcasts. Like I'm not commuting anywhere. I'm not going to the gym anymore. Like people are not listening to as much podcasts. People are probably not watching as much Twitch streams or maybe that like went up a little bit because people are working from home or whatever. But I think you wouldn't think that a podcast because, you know, you're not competing with anyone in terms of you know, audio time, like you can listen to it on demand, but it really is that thing. Like I remember back when I had, when I was commuting or going to the gym or whatever, it would be like, yeah, well, I know that I'm going to be able to listen to limited resources on Friday morning because it's usually out on Thursdays. Like that gets my Friday morning slot. And like, you know, we've got, we've got the Mashi dishwashing Monday evening slot, you know, (laughs) and that you just do sort of put those shows higher in your rotation when you know you can rely on them. Yep, 100%. Scry me a river makes my Thursday lunch much better. Yeah, agreed. There you agreed. go. That is a great podcast, by the way. I think Smar is a wonderful, wonderful podcast. Check it out. Yeah, for sure. I hang out with Riley and Dennis every Thursday. Speaking of podcasts, we haven't talked about this. How did you decide to start Magic FM with Gabby? Wow, that that is another... Um... That is another bit of luck. Gabby is obviously she's just a huge influencer. She's so much bigger uh, than 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 me. And she was looking to do a podcast. And I loved the Magic TV model. Uh, and she was familiar with Magic TV. Obviously, she watched Magic TV. And you know, she and Luis lived together. So we just started talking about it. And Luis actually mentioned to me, he's like, "Hey, would you ever be interested in doing a?" podcast with Gabby. And I was like, Oh my God, yes, that'd be amazing. Cause I love Gabby and she's, she's great. And she's super organized, which I am not. And she can help keep me on track. <laughs> and she, we started talking about it and we thought, you know what? Uh, and this, this is, this is also kind of like the chemistry thing is like, let's, let's give it a try. We don't know how it's going to turn out, you know? And if it's, if it's a product we don't like, if it's something that we're not in love with, we walk away. We're still friends. It's not, it's no big deal. And so we started off and it was just a lot of fun. It's like, I talked to now Gabby, you know, she's like the influencer manager. So I talk to her all the time now, but back then I wasn't talking to her on a daily basis the way I am now. And so it was kind of like my weekly check-in with Gabby. And, you know, we would chat a bit uh, via Slack or, you know, whatever about that week's episode and what we were going to talk about. Cause she does very, very in-depth show notes. Now we're monthly just cause we're both so much busier, but literally it came about because Gabby wanted to make a podcast and we thought we would kind of lift that magic TV framework, but okay, wait a minute. Now it's a podcast. We'll just do magic FM. Great. Love it. Now, Gabby though, Gabby does not like top eight. She doesn't like doing top eights. So that's the one reason we don't have top eights in that podcast is she, she is not a fan of doing top eights. Wait, but isn't her newsletter bit the like factor fiction thing? Yes. That feels very, a very similar vein to me. Like, you know, clickbaity, hot takey type deal. What's, what's the opposition to top eight? Top eights, when I, I've always felt top eights are, are at their best when you're arguing with each other about it. And uh, she didn't, okay. she does, she's like, I don't want to spend the whole time arguing. And I'm like, okay, well, it's like, you know, that's catnip to like Chion and I, or Luis and I, or TBS and I, like, we all love doing that. And we would do it without the camera on. So doing it with the camera on is just a free roll. So that, 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 and, and I get it. Like Gabby, that's just not how Gabby likes to produce content. She's not, she's one of the, nicest, most wonderful, easiest people to work with. So I just don't think arguing like that is in her nature. As someone who hates conflict, I 100% respect that. I I, I knew I liked Gabby for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Masha, you've got a question here for us at the bottom of the show notes that I feel like we should should throw out there to round out the episode. What do you think? 
I would love to ask this question. I, don't, I, I it was super short notice um, because I just thought of it this morning. They're running this event on on Arena, right? Where they're adjusting the power level on cards. I think they're going to do like Oko and Uro and Fires of Invention, all these banned cards. It's kind of a what if type event. They're going to they digitally can change the card and what it does. What if they made it more balanced? What would standard be like? And that got me thinking, obviously, because you guys were generous enough to ask me on the podcast. What would it be like if they did something similar to Limited? If they just decided, you know, this card's too powerful we're gonna we're gonna take it out it's 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 no longer like bane slayer angel too good banned from the format mythic's probably not a good example but you know um teferi's tutelage that might be a better one teferi's tutelage is too good we're either going to take it from the packs or we're going to upgrade it to rare or something like that and i think you know how would you guys feel if they started digitally tinkering with draft formats that way by a pulling cards out of packs or b changing something about the cards, like making maybe changing the rarity or changing the CMC or changing power toughness, but making making a clear divide between digital drafts and paper drafts. I, I've been thinking about this a lot since the bot draft offering right now is Aquaria, and that was sort of the only set where they did actually do this, right? The companion rule changed midway through the format. And I think that was probably for the worse uh, for limited though, because I think companion was such a cool build around mechanic, but I think it also didn't nerf it as much as people thought it did. Um, But even something like the one colorless CMC cyclers, what if you like change them all to not be colorless and you could change them all to be the color of the cards. And that would significantly nerf the cycling deck, which is, I feel like what gave that format a bad rap in the minds of a lot of people. I think that'd be really interesting, but I don't know if I would want to see it as a permanent change, Ben. I'm curious about your thoughts there. Like maybe it'd be cool to see what it was like for a week or something, but would I want it to change for, you know, the next month and a half of the format? I don't know. I think first you have to just decide how much is it going to be different between paper and digital you know, going forward, you know, assuming we make it past the COVID hump and, you know, FNM drafts are a thing, like what percentage of the player base is going to be impacted by that, right? Like, honestly, personally, for me, I would be in favor of making tweaks like that to the draft format, especially after it starts to feel solved or stale, you know, like maybe we're in Strixhaven right now and Loreholds feeling weaker than some of the other guilds or Witherbloom feels like it needs a tweak, you know, to really be able to compete with Silverquill and Prismari and Quandrix. What could you do? And I, I would be interested to experiment with that and just, you know, have the format updated, you know, maybe a month and a half in. Certainly as content creators, that would be a dream for us, right? Getting to cover what yeah. the new format is, how they made the adjustments you know did we drive some of the impetus on the adjustments being made or you know heaven forbid like how cool would it be if they consulted you know somebody like us or they consulted lr on like hey what do you think we could do to make this draft format better i mean that would be awesome from my perspective but i think you know the average player probably wouldn't benefit from that that much in my opinion because you know magic's hard already right you know a lot of people you know like the process of learning the format. And then I think a lot of people would feel potentially like they had the rug pulled out from underneath them, you know, after they just started to get comfortable in the format. So I think it's a double-edged sword. Right. It'd be great for players like you and me, but I think like on average, the people who are doing whatever, 20 drafts or less of a format, that's not going to be a good time for them, right? That would be what my opinion would be. Yeah. And I think it would also be a little awkward, you know, if you're an FNM drafter that maybe drafts on arena once or twice a week or whatever, you know, and you use that to practice for your FNM draft. And then all of a sudden, 
arena is different from your FNM draft. I think it could do more harm than good, but like certainly from a personal perspective, I would love it. I think it would be really interesting to see. And I'm actually kind of, I'm always kind of for tinkering with the DNA of things like this. I will say it's very funny that uh, Ethan, that you go, you go to uh, Ico for this because I feel like way back in the day, this happened with what has historically been my favorite format. I haven't drafted in a long time, which is OLS. I drafted a lot of OLS back in the day. I don't know if you guys have ever drafted. Um, it's Onslaught Legion Scourge OLS. There is an ability in there called Amplify. I think it's in Legions. Amplifies in Legions. And one of the things that changed is when they redid a bunch of um, Magic cards on Oracle was they added all these different creature types. So suddenly, instead of just being like a, a wizard, you'd be like a bird wizard cleric. Sometimes they added all these things. So Amplify totally changed in that set. Like Daru Stinger is like you reveal the number of soldiers in your hand, if I recall. And you had a plus one, plus one counter for him or something like that. And all of a sudden, there were way more soldiers in the format and way more birds in the format because what they basically did is instead of just being a bird, you'd be a bird soldier. Or you know, instead of just being a soldier, you'd be a soldier cleric or something like that. And so that change already happened on, on um, Magic Online. And I remember it was really, really jarring because then I went to play Magic Online. I was like, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. There's way more creature types here. This is changing who I need to take here because I already, you know, I have a bunch of Amplify cards. So it's just, it's just funny that we go to different sets uh, with this thought. Yeah, I go to sets that people have heard of and you go to sets that no one has ever played. <laughs> that, that is true. That, is that would have been true. the era of time where I was drafting with my three brothers and we would do like four person drafts, like maybe three times a set. So I probably drafted that around the kitchen table with my brothers. OLS is a wonderful format. I haven't, dra- I probably haven't drafted it in probably close to 10 years at this point. But when I was younger, it was certainly, if you'd asked me, and even now I kind of just say, yeah, OLS is my favorite format. I probably shouldn't say that anymore because there's a lot of formats I've enjoyed since then. But I'm intrigued and by the idea of using Arena as a platform to kind of digitally and create this digital space for magic beyond the card game, beyond the physical card game. And I think there's an opportunity there for Wizards of the Coast. And so I'm always curious if they're willing to kind of take advantage of that opportunity. Look, Wizards, we're here if you need some consultants. Absolutely. (laughs) That's right. It's our calling card. Well, Mashi, thank you so, so much for taking time out of your super busy schedule to chat with us. You know, like I said, I've been a fan of your content specifically and also the content on Channel Fireball for a long time. I think it's like clear that Ben and I, you know, we, we grew up on the content. We're very excited to be now dishing out that content with you guys. Um, so we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. If people are interested in checking you out, where can they find you on the internet? Mainly, I think on, yeah, on, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm just at Mashi Scanlon, uh, M-A-S-H-I. A C A N L A N. You can find me there. I don't post as much as I used to, but I, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I, I keep trying to solve. Like, Mosh, you got to do more on Twitter. There's a lot going on. So, when did you retire the guy on the left? I changed from the guy on the left a while ago, um, uh. just because I, I. Now that I'm doing marketing, I'm studying about it all. The guy on the left is not a great handle, um, <laughs> and nobody. So the reason that moniker was there is because I started making Magic TV with Luis way back in the day. You know. And people would be like, oh, LSV, who's this guy on the left? Who's the guy on the left? Who's the guy on the left? That was like on all the YouTube comments, it was always like, who's the guy on the left? (laughs) So finally, I was like, well, I guess I'm the guy on the left. And and most people don't realize that anymore. So it's just kind of uh, an artifact. I still have that account, the guy on the left, just so someone doesn't take it and act like they're me. But yeah, I've moved everything over to at Mashi Scanlon. Got to get on there and post those draft trophies, baby. 
Yeah. <laughs> I got to win some. You know, okay. <laughs> you know what's funny? I am unsure how to screen cap, so I can't do that. Oh my God. This, <laughs> this, how are you a marketing officer and such a technology noob? I'm just horrible with it. I've always been bad at it. And like my team, I have a great team. The marketing team at, at, at Channel Fireball is amazing. They have to walk me through everything. And I'm like, oh, that's how that works. Great. But yeah, I don't know how to screen cap. I, I've struggled with that part of it. Wow. <laughs> All right. Great place to wrap us up. Uh, thanks as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. I think this is an appropriate week to just say that we're super proud to be a part of ChannelFireball.com and feel really strongly about the work that's being done over there, whether or not you're checking out just the YouTube videos for free. If you're signing up for CFB Pro to check out the articles that me, Ben, and Alex and all the members of CFB Pro are writing, uh, any and all that good stuff, please use the code LOL at checkout to let them know we sent you there. You can check me and Ben out streaming. And on Twitter, I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware under that same username on Twitter. Same for Ben, twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. And you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. 